0: For the will you pray before Aaron comes? Amen. Appreciate that good singing this morning. and If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to read verses 34 through 40. Um, this uh, Over the next four weeks, I'm going to be sharing uh, and reminding us about uh, the vision of our church and what our church is supposed to be about. It's hard. To believe that I celebrated 50 years of life a couple weeks ago. Uh, Thank you, many of you who who came and helped celebrate that. But our church is also 50 this year. Uh, I think that's pretty neat. Uh, And, uh, you know, as uh, so, what we're going to talk about on this next few is not anything new, it's something that our church has always been about. Uh, Sometimes, and some of you are. Fifty and beyond, uh, and so you know what I'm talking about. That when you've lived a while, you forget some things, and you have to be reminded. Uh, yeah, this week, not once but twice, I forgot to take my medicine in the morning. I've got those li- a little, cont- you know, those containers. You got, I got. It. Well, there was something on top of it, and so I didn't see it. But about ten thirty, I called Brother George uh, one day. So I said, Brother George, I'm not feeling very good. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm heading home. And I just want somebody to know where, where I was. And Will you call me at 12 o'clock make sure I'm still around? Uh, he called me at 12 o'clock. I was feeling much better. Guess what? The problem was, I didn't take my medicine. So I took my pills, and yet the next day I forgot to take them again. But I turned around. I realized I'd forgotten them before, I, so I turned around and went and took it. Uh, so a reminder to take your minute, But sometimes we forget stuff. Uh, And so we need reminders, and so uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about what is the church supposed to be about, and not just our church, but every church, the church of Jesus Christ, Uh, because Jesus gave us, he tells us in his word, what is the church supposed to be doing, and what's it to be about? Uh, But like a lot of things, we just forget, Uh, and so we have to be reminded It's like, you know, Leslie has to remind me periodically, take the trash out, uh, you know, because we forget. I don't mean we're bad, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong, it just means we're forgetful people. Uh, And so, we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about uh, what is our church about? Uh, And that, leading up to Easter, and you'll see why that's significant as as the series goes along, um... On the back of your bulletin, mine Leslie has. Here it is. On the back of your bulletin, uh, I've put what how we uh, I've had a group uh, work with me over the last several weeks. I want to thank that group uh, for taking time. We've been meeting on Sunday nights for the last several uh, months. Uh, And this and Tim, there's a slide you put up on the screen if you'd like to. Too, it's not in order, but it's there somewhere. And so I appreciate Tim and Leslie and Kay and uh, George uh, meeting with me and uh, a a fellow from Colorado that's helped walk us through this process. There it is. Uh, I want you to either look at the screen or look on the back of your bulletin. Would you read this with me? uh, Before we, um, and I'm talking out loud, okay? So here we go. First Free Will Baptist Church exists to passionately love God and each other Urgently pursue the lost with the gospel, fervently equip the saints for service, and intentionally deploy disciples into the harvest. all right so that that's very quick and very that, those four things is what Jesus said the church is supposed to be about, uh, and so we're going to take the first one today, uh, passionately love God and each other. If there's something that I'm so thankful about our church, our church is not perfect, um, but we have a good church, and I love our church, and part of what makes our church special is we get along, and we love one another. Even those that are different, and we've got a few difference, but you know what? We love the difference just like everybody else. Uh, we need the different. We need all of us together. And can I tell you that we can't love each other unless we have really found the love of God. We really don't know what love is until we have found God. But when we find him and he changes our life, my goodness, what an amazing change takes place. And so, again, we're not perfect, but we are loving. You know, and that's so very important. So, uh, in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse, verse 34... Uh, a Pharisee comes up uh, and asks Jesus a question. Wanting to trap him, wanting to say, listen, I want you to tell me what the bare minimum is for me to get to heaven. What, what's the least I have to do? Because that's human nature, and we want to know what's the least amount of effort that I have put in to pass, teacher. Uh, listen, I don't care about getting an A in this class. I just want to get a C so I can get on out of here and move on. Uh, That's what I think his attitude was. I think Jesus knew that. But Jesus tells him an answer that he wasn't expecting. So let's take a look, beginning in verse uh, 34 of Matthew chapter 22. It says this. But when the Pharisee heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying to him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets well that was not the answer this fellow was looking for or expecting but it was the right answer that Jesus gave and so as we talk about what the church is supposed to be about we have to start with uh, we have to start with God and that's where Jesus started he the man said tell me what the most important thing is and so he, he gave them what every Jew would have understood and thought the most important thing was. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. In other words, everything that you have, live for God. But then he said there's a second part to it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And at the beginning, the lawyer was probably thinking, that's a good answer. Because that's what they grew up thinking was the answer. They were good at knowing what the answer was. They were pitiful at knowing and doing it. And so Jesus added and he said, you know what, there's another side to that coin and it's love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he said, on these two things hang all the law and the prophets. And the law and the prophets, Jesus is using here as a figure of speech for the entire Scripture. And so he's saying all of your Scripture, all of it, from Genesis all the way to the end, hangs on these two things, love God and love others as you love yourself. That is profound. And I tell you that our world would be a very different place if more followed these two great commandments. But you see, the truth is, as I've already mentioned, you really can't love others as you love yourself if you don't first love God. Because you really can't know what love is until you know God. Until you've experienced his forgiveness and the love. Jesus said this, No greater love has this than a man lays his life down for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for me and for you and for all the whosoever's in the world, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would not perish but have everlasting life. And so as we unpack that and we say, Yeah, those are two good commandments, preacher. Amen. Amen how do we not repeat the mistakes of the pharisees and be able to quote that and by the way that's a text from deuteronomy how can you know how do we get beyond just being able to quote it and live it because that's what god expects listen even satan knows that scripture he doesn't do it though it's not in just being able to recite the verse the law, the commandment is live the verse out. So how do we do that? Well, I th- we're going to talk, I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about guess how many things, three things, uh, uh, that help us to do that. The first thing is this, that loving God means worship. If we're going to love God, it is reflected in our Can I tell you that the reality is every single human being worships something or someone? Now, some worship the one true God. There's some that worship false gods. There's some that worship themselves. There's some that worship a sports team or money or prestige or a position. But everybody worships something. Worship is just an old English word that means worth Describing or ascribing to something value or importance. We worship something. And when we want to look at what you worship, look at your life. What is your life built around? Is it built around... God and his word? Or is it built around some human person? Or some physical thing? Or some idea? Because if it's built on anything besides the one true God, we are worshiping false idols. I tell you that idolatry is alive and well in America in 2024. We've got more idols perhaps than ever have been in existence before. Worship is defined as an act or practice that expresses devotion, reverence, and adoration toward God, and it involves rituals, ceremonies, prayers, and other religious or spiritual practices. They talk about Christian worship. So, when we worship God, when we're ascribing God, you are worthy in my life, that means there's some things that we do. We do not do these things so that we can be saved. We do not do these things because we're trying to earn points with the big guy upstairs. We do these things because God has changed our life and we want to know Him and live for Him and to know His love, and to know that that we love Him, and that He loves us. So, the Psalms are chock full of instructions of praise. And praise is an important part of worship. Psalm 149, verses 1 through 4 say this, Praise ye the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Praise his name in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. So part of our worship is praising God individually and corporately. You know, if you really love God, you talk to Him. Just like if, you, if there's somebody that you have a relationship with that you love, you talk to them. You know their voice and they know yours. And the same is true in our relationship with God. That we, we know him and he knows us. So praise is an important part of that. You know, giving or putting money in the box or giving online is part of our, our act of worship. It's not that God needs our money. It's that we need to be reminded that God owns it all anyway, and we're dependent upon him. Our worship is a lifestyle rather than just something we do for an hour on Sunday. That we pray. Prayer is an act of worship. And all of us, I dare say, could use more practice at it. All these things, all these spiritual practices, and things you know, things that we do, and the coming together—if the only time we ever worship God is when we're together, we're in trouble. Because worship's supposed to be happening on Sunday, yes. It's also supposed to happen on Monday, and on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and on Thursday, and on Friday, and on Saturday. See, if we've not met with God through the week, then how can we be surprised when we come to church on Sunday and find the well is empty? Well, the well is empty because you ain't filled it up all week. But when we have met with God through the week, man, it's great to come to church on Sunday and see God's people and to worship. It doesn't mean that we always have easy times and that the week is easy. It's not. But we worship God even in the midst of storms. And even in the midst of difficulties, when we're worshiping God through difficulties, guess what it shows? It reminds us that God is real and that He's dependable, that He's with us even in the horrible times. God's still there and He's still good. And He still loves us. And so it reminds us, so that's an important thing. But can I tell you, it is a powerful testimony to those that do not know God or those that aren't where they ought to be with him anyway. When they see you going through hell on earth and still praising God, that speaks volumes to them. Because chances are they may be going through some tough things as well. And you know what? If they don't have God in their life, they're sinking. They're trying to do it alone, and they weren't made to do it alone. None of us were. But when Jesus comes, he doesn't promise that he's going to take the storms away, that we're going to just have smooth sailing. The way he promises is that he's going to help us carry the load. And he's going to be with us in the midst of the storm. and He's going to help us make it to the end of the storm. Because the great thing is, storms don't last forever. They end eventually. And so, worship uh, is part of loving God. But secondly, I want us to know and remember that loving God means serving Him. Not only worshiping, worshiping Him, but serving Him. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reason, uh which is your spiritual worship. Others talk as your reasonable worship or your spiritual service. So Paul says, I, you know, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, when something was presented as a sacrifice, it was dead. It didn't live again. But praise God, Jesus changed that. He died, shed his innocent blood for my sin debt and your sin that. He came as a servant, not as a king. But was he a king? He absolutely was and still is today. He says in John chapter 13, If I, your Lord and Master, have cut and served you, so you ought to serve one another. And so loving God means that we serve Him. We serve Him not so that we can gain points again, but we serve Him because of what He has done for us. Paul says, listen, you cannot pay God back for what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary. You you shedding your blood not going to pay the price because you're, you got sin blood. And that's the problem. And so Paul says, I don't want you to be a dead sacrifice. I want you to be a living sacrifice. And something that's living, by the way, is active and growing. You know how people get to a certain age, they'll, they'll retire. And a lot of folks, when they hit that age of retirement, you know, they expire not long after. You know why? Because they quit doing anything. And when they stop being active, stuff starts breaking down, and they end up dying. And yet, a lot of times when people will remain at, and that's why it's important. Listen, can I tell you, from the Lord's service, you never retire until you get to heaven. But as long as you have breath in you on this earth, it doesn't matter if you live to be 125. Every day that you have, you need to say, God, thank you for the breath I have. How can I use it for you? And I tell you that if we'll do that, if we'll have that attitude, God will give us things to do for him. Now, you may not be able to do what you could when you were 20, when you're 120. May I tell you that if you're still around, there's a reason for it. And it's not that God forgot about you. Your car didn't fall on the floor in heaven and you just got forgotten about. There's something for you to do. There's a reason why you're here. I believe that none of us leave until... You know, God is done with it, and, and there's a reason. Sometimes we never know what that reason is. But while we have breath, God says to you, you know, if you want to love God, you'll love God by serving others. Reminding yourself that it's not about you. And that's what both of these commandments remind us of, because by human nature, human nature says, hey, this world is about me. We all kind of agree with Burger King's slogan, have it your way. And we've bought into that. We can have our whopper however we want. These days, it's, you know, a roulette wheel, if you get it how you want it or, or not. Uh, sometimes it's not right when it comes, even if you order it. Um. But we've bought into that philosophy not only in our hamburgers, but in life. And we think we should be able to determine what we want. And we should be able to have what we want. Can I tell you that sometimes what you want is not good for you? Some of you are diabetics. And what you want is red velvet cake with cream cheese frosting, and not just an itty-bitty sliver of it either. You want a hunk of it. Can I take that? A hunk of it, it will send your blood sugar high. Chances are, if you just eat one, and you eat a reasonable-sized hunk, chances are it's not going to kill you. But if you eat it every day, and you eat red velvet cake for every meal of the day, you aren't going to be around for very long. Say, well, I wanted it. Well, yeah, your body's broken. And sin has affected this world and has affected your body, and you want things you don't need. What you need instead of red velvet cake is some green beans and a banana. But that's not near as fun, is it? So it's not that we need to deny ourselves all the time, but what it is is that we have to have the recognition that the most important thing in the director of our life is not our happiness. And it's not what we want. It's about worshiping God and what he wants. And I tell you, you will never be more content and you will never be more fulfilled and you will never be happier than when you are exactly where God wants you to be doing exactly what God wants you to do. It's a peace, Peter says, that surpasses all understanding. And Jesus says, the way you find it is by serving others. In other words, realize it ain't about you. And by the way, Jesus did include you in that commandment. He said, you love others as you love yourself. Now hopefully you love yourself and know you are valuable and worthy because you are created in the image of God. So you give others that same benefit. Because they're broken just like you're broken. Boy, we can see the brokenness in other people. We can see what they're doing wrong. I mean, you know, spend all day talking about crazy politicians and what Nonsense. They're, you know, what they're doing. And some of them are. Some of them are just plump loony tunes. But it's not about us, it's about Him. And it's about us finding what He wants us to do, why He put us here. So loving God means worshiping Him it means serving him and then lastly as we wrap up this morning loving others means caring because jesus said you need to love god first and the jews knew that it was part of that they recited it every day but the natural outflow of loving god is loving yourself and loving others. And I tell you that you really don't love someone if you don't care for You don't love yourself if you don't take care of yourself. So using my example, if, if you're a diabetic and you're eating red velvet cake every single day, you really are not loving yourself. You're sending yourself to an early grave. Or if you're diabetic and you don't take your medicine, you don't you know, do those kinds of things, or whatever medical conditions we have. God is so gracious. He gi- He's given us medicine. He's given us doctors that can diagnose things and help treat. But, I mean, So human beings, we're living longer. But can I tell you that if we don't take the medicine, like I forgot to do twice this week, the medicine doesn't work. Just having it in your pillbox is not going to do you a whole lot of good. It's got to get inside of you. And understand this, that loving God, when it gets inside of you, it can't stay there. It naturally comes out of you. It oozes out of you. There are some people that I, I've told you I've, I've had uh, opportunity to meet a lot of good godly men and women in my life. and um, Two of the sweetest uh, Christian people that I've ever had to the uh, privilege of meeting and interacting with are Charles and Laura Thigpen. Uh, Dr. Thigpen and Mrs. Thigpen, what he, Dr. Thigpen was the president at Free Will Baptist Bible College for several years, um, then stayed and taught. I actually had Mrs. Thigpen for a speech class, and Dr. Thigpen for a pulpit speech class, and that was a great honor. Uh, and then uh, when I was in Georgia, they happened to be in Georgia as well, just an hour and a half or so away. Uh, and so I was at their house several times. Um, and he was actually a mentor one of my semesters when I was working on my doctorate degree. But something about Dr. Thigpen and Mrs. Th- especially Mrs. Thigpen, both of them oozed Jesus They were people that as soon as you walked in their house, as soon as you began talking to them, you knew there was something different about them. They loved God, and they loved people. Were they perfect? No, they weren't. But my goodness, what a great and loving pair. Now, I'm sure it took a lot of years for God to work in them to such a degree so that by the time I knew them, man, they, they were pretty awesome people. I've known some students that were students when Dr. Thigpen was president uh, and dean, and they say he wasn't quite as loving back then. Uh, this may have been something to do with th- those pr- people's behavior uh, and how they interacted with him, but may, I, that's neither here nor there. But my example, not to lift Charles and Lord Thigpen up and put him on a pedestal. They are very special people. And they're both in heaven, in glory. Um, They've received their reward for faithfully serving the Lord for many, many years. But to say, you know what? When we love God, others should know we love them. And because they know we love them, they hopefully will know God loves them. But if we are not loving them, you better know for certain they're not going to know God loves them. Because they can't see God, but they do see you. And that should be a convicting challenge to us. Loving others means caring. Sometimes for people that are messy and broken, and, Maybe it might ruin our reputation. Jesus said, I don't care about your reputation. you love them anyway. Welcome them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom is at hand. And then notice what he says in verse 8. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Yuck, 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 and ickety-yuck. None of those are pleasant assignments. And then Jesus reminds the disciples, freely you have received. Freely give. You see, you once were broken and scarred and stinky and ugly and broken. And yet Jesus came, probably through somebody that cared for you. And you were restored and made new. What a great privilege it is to be able to share with others that were broken and scarred and battered. There's a way to be made new. And his name is Jesus. But I tell you, you'll never have that opportunity if you're not loving to that person. So Jesus said, I want you to go to those that are sick. Listen, we are in a a COVID world. When people are sick, stay away from them. Jesus said, I want you to stay away from them. I want you to go to them. So that you can heal them. Once the lepers were unclean, I mean, that's a leprosy is a painful disease, and you know they didn't understand back in the first century how it spread and what you know it's all about. But people, if they had lepers, they were kicked out of town, and if they came in, they had to walk down the other side of the street, and they had to say unclean, unclean, as they were walking, so nobody would come near them. Jesus said, "You go to them." Go to the dead. Raise the dead. What on earth is Jesus talking about? Casting out demons? Are you crazy? And yet, because, listen, these demon-possessed people, when we meet demon-possessed people in the Gospels, they're not nice people. They're they're out in the wilderness. They've cut themselves. I think of the man at Legion. You remember him? And he had these 70 demons that were aggravating him, and he'd cut himself and, you know, was rig- they'd try to chain him up and he'd be able to break the chains. Nobody wanted to be around him. And yet when Jesus showed up, that man saw what this young man really needed, what was wrong with him, and he made him whole. And he was never again the same. That's a marvelous, wonderful thing that we should celebrate and say amen. Just like when people in our world today are made whole and redeemed and made new, we ought to celebrate with them and say, that's awesome! That's great! But also to remember that there's others that are just like you were and that they are were. But just like Jesus made you whole, he can make anyone whole. And so I said, you didn't have to earn Forgiveness and new life, I gave it to you. What is that? That's free. Jesus said, as I freely gave to you, you give to others. And what God expects us to give to others is the love that God freely gives us. And so if we want to be a church that is doing what the church is supposed to do, Then we understand, we remember that we exist to love God and each other. It starts with knowing God first and knowing his love. But oh, what a great opportunity we have when God gives us opportunity to share that message of hope with others. But it doesn't matter how broken somebody is or how far they've wandered down the path of sin, God can redeem them. You can't do it, but God can. And God just may use you as an instrument in that story. Let's pray here. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for the love that you have for us. Oh, what great love you lavish on us. Lord, as we taught, help us, Lord, to be mindful of that. Help us to love you through our worship and through our service. And Lord, help us to love others as you have loved us. Forgive us when we fail to do that. Lord, if there's one here today that's never begun a new life in you, they, they, they don't know what we've been talking about today. Would you help them today to come to find new life in you by simply calling out to you, but Lord, there are many here this morning in person and watching online. Oh, they know your love and you've made them new, but boy, they've tried to keep it to themselves. Lord, maybe your message to us today is to let it loose. Not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. To remember, as the Apostle Paul proclaimed, it is the power of God to salvation to anyone who believes. And just as we once were broken and made whole, you can do that with anyone. Lord, help us not to be slack in love. Help us not to be choosy in love. But help us to shower. Love upon people you bring into our path. Help us to love our families and our neighbors and our co workers. Help us to love the strangers that we meet on the street. Help us to love those that are in need. Lord, help us remind us that if we really love them, it shows. There's action required. Lord, help us not to be bashful with love. Help us to shower uh, the people that come across our path with the love of God. Help us to do that, we pray, as church and as individuals. In Jesus. Amen. Friend, we're going stand. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If God spoke in your heart and there's a decision that you need to make today, Today would be a great day.